0: Welcome back to another episode of the Inside Groove podcast, episode number six. We're moving right along here uh, with this new podcast that is quickly turning into uh, a veteran podcast uh, here. Nick Mumley is always with you uh, and Dustin Tanner joining us as always once again, Uh and uh, we took last week off. There wasn't really a whole lot going on. I think we, uh, you know, kind of uh, could use a little off break uh, before the racing season really gets into full gear. But uh, we're back this week, and we got a great show for you today. Uh, Stephen Donahue later, but um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Lee USA 150 as well. But uh, first, let's uh, let's uh, get things started here, Dustin. How we doing? How's it? Uh, how's it been? I, I don't think I've seen you since uh, uh, since Thunder Road uh, at the uh, at the Community Bank 150. So I see you got a new haircut. Our, our listeners aren't gonna be able to see that, but uh, you got the the fresh cut, looking nice. So how you been, man?
1: I've been pretty good. Uh, yeah, no, I got a haircut because I'm going to Circuit of the Americas this weekend, and I did not want to uh, drag a full head of hair to Austin, Texas. I think it's gonna be like 90 degrees at some points, and it's gonna be uh, you know. Texas sun's a little hotter than the Vermont sun, so I got a haircut got the shave looking great you know obviously this is an audio medium so you know visual <laughs> you don't see it but yeah no got the summer cut uh, I've been good I've been really excited you know we're getting here into the the, the grit of racing season you know daily shows are going to be coming back here in a couple of weeks and i'm I'm going to a racetrack at least once a month for the next couple uh big racetracks too like i'm going to pocono next month too and it's going to be thunder road pocono white mountain circuit of the americas road tour road tour of road racetracks this year
0: hey i've got an assignment for you um while you're at circuit of the americas if you can't if you know you'd be so kind i hear uh i hear you know there's a bunch of guys a bunch of road racers coming back But i heard yesterday that paul menard is coming back uh to run uh at circuit of the americas can you corner down paul menard and uh beg and plead for him to come race at thunder road until he uh finally says yes
1: i uh i don't know if i can I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to Paul Menard. I don't think they'll have COTA uh, infield access. I got a ticket and I'm schlepping it like everyone else. But if I, if I see Paul Menard in the wild, which I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if he exists. I will, I will ask him to come to Thunder Road. If I see any driver in the wild, really, I will ask them to come to Thunder Road. Like I will, I'll I'll pull anybody. If I see a driver like, Hey, come to Thunder Road, come on a race governor's cup coming up. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I uh, it's gonna, it's really interesting because you know the, the sidetrack for a second here. Boris said is running a race this weekend. Like it's just all the names that like are from yesteryear, and you got guys. Uh, you got a Rolex Twenty Four winner running the Xfinity race. It's gonna be. It feels like a real festive of environment because of all the extra people entered. So I might run into somebody. You never know. But uh, I'd like to see Boris said come run Thunderbird actually.
0: I mean, I bet he would. I, just, the guys run so many different cars, but yeah, I mean, basically uh, if you're going to be at Coda this weekend, I'm going to give you an assignment uh, and that assignment is to corner drivers and, and make them feel uncomfortable into uh, until the point where they agree to, to come race uh, at Thunder Road. Um, so we can, uh, you know, see some, see some top-notch talent come in and and ultimately finish 13th as every invader seems to do uh when they come to thunder road but no i'm just kidding I, I hope you have fun man that that sounds like a really good trip uh and uh you know i i'm not i'm not one to watch a whole lot of nascar anymore but i i really think that i'm going to be watching uh a lot of coda this weekend because it just seems like such a cool place to uh for nascar to run and uh, a place where they should have been running for probably like well, since it opened, but, um, you know, yeah, it sounds like a really good time. I hope you have fun down there.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be, um, posting some stuff on the Instagram account too, you know, posting photos from the track, just whatever I could get, you know, it'll be fun. So if you want to see some of the Coda trip, you know, the inside groove TV, some, I'm going to get up to uh, my goal. Is for that truck race to get up to that first corner and just get everybody going by, get some shots over the walkways, you know, just some little stuff, you know, that I can get as a fan. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Um, it, It's going to be a great weekend, and it just rolls into the next weekend of racing here, which will be the Memorial Day Classic, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks. So it'll be fun. Love it.
0: So are you going to be able to? Are you going to be? Are we going to have a show next week or or what's the deal there?
1: I don't know if I will be here next week. I come back Monday and my flight is supposed to get in at around 11 o'clock. So I think next Tuesday I will be, uh, I won't be around. I'll be a little dead. It'll be the jet lag thing. So if I get back from Texas, that'll be the first thing. Get back from Texas successfully Um, because you know, it uh it, it's easy to get lost. This is only my second time flying, so I uh am doing doing it solo and I just gotta get there first. And yeah, it'll be a fun little trip and I'll probably have a nice little recap. And I I think we could probably record on Tuesday, unless if I'm totally jet lagged. We'll see. I haven't flown before like this, so got that time zone difference too. That's gonna totally mess me up.
0: Yeah, no, when when I went to Hickory at the beginning of April. That was the first time, it was the second time I've ever been on an airplane uh, and the first time I've ever gone by myself anyway, so, um, you know, it was just a direct flight right to Charlotte, and then you get the rental car and all that, but I was scared as hell, man, I was, like, freaking out internally, like, you know, with stuff like that, I, for whatever reason, in my head, I'm always thinking worst case scenario is gonna happen, like, not that the plane's gonna crash and I'm gonna die, like, I wasn't afraid of being on the plane, I was afraid of, like, getting lost in this airport, or, you know, not being able to find my rental car, or crashing the rental car, or just, like, all of this, like, uh, you know, super far-fetched stuff that like is never going to happen but it's just things like that i was so i was so worried but uh you know by the when i got on when i got finally got boarded on that plane uh to head home from from charlotte it was kind of a sigh of relief but um you know it, it wasn't all that bad um i would do it again now i have a lot more confidence in it but uh yeah i definitely get you there that that uh that first trip was uh a little bit scary even though i only went down to Charlotte.
1: Yeah, I'm going to. So my trip goes from Burlington to the Charlotte Airport and then from Charlotte to Austin. So my only fear right now is that the weather in Austin has not been great Uh, tornado warning currently. So I'm hoping we can just get in on Thursday. You know, it's looking the weather's not looking so fantastic. So that my fear is nothing to do with the plane. My fear is like I miss a connection and it's like, oh, no, I missed a connection. What do I do now?
0: right yeah like that's where that's where i was at uh as well so well i i hope uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll be in contact before then but just uh you know we'll send we'll give you our inside groove uh, send off now uh to uh, as you get ready to make your big venture over to uh to austin for coda that should be should be a great time. So, uh, let's get right into it here at today's podcast, as always, presented by Raised Dyes and Tubing since 1960. They've been among the best in the extrusion dye industry. Call them at 802-868-2040 or visit them online at RaisedDyesandTubing.com and I was just in, uh, I was just over there, uh, yesterday, actually, on, on Monday, uh, talking with, uh, with Lori and and Cam and all the people, uh, fine folks over there at Raised Dyes and Tubing um, and, uh, they signed on for another year of sponsorship and dustin i think that they have been with us now for like three years almost the entirety of this show they raised eyes and tubing has sponsored us uh they started when we went when we went to the the uh nascar race up in new hampshire uh a couple years ago well maybe it's not two years or maybe it's not three years then maybe it's but I okay maybe it is three years i'm not good at math i mean i i went to Missisquoi uh up in swanton if you don't know if you're unfamiliar with the vermont state High school system, Miss is dead last in, in all math scores. So, uh, I'm proudly from that demographic. Um, but yeah, it, none this, long story short, Raised Eyes and tubing has been with us for a really long time. Uh, we know it, it, started off with, uh, with Kevin Gadju, who's, uh, obviously father of Cam Gadju who passed away shortly after, um, a- after they, they started sponsoring us. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's really important to them that they uh, they continue uh, they continue you know supporting our show in Kevin's memory because uh, it was really important to Kevin and uh, Kevin was a great friend of uh, of mine, a great friend of my family and a great friend of the show and um, you know we're once again very very thankful for them jumping on uh, to continue uh, their support of our show It helps us do so many things and uh, you're gonna see a lot of things we're gonna where this year uh, I'm really uh committing into getting some new equipment um so you know i'm looking into getting some better microphones for our interviews um and some more camera equipment so we can get better photos at the track and not have to steal uh or not steal but borrow adam or uh, alan um alan wards and and buzz fisher's pictures all the time hopefully we can get a, a few of our own to use for our content um and, uh, you know, just just various little things like that that can, uh, you know, help help boost our at track uh, content quality. Uh, so everything's not just done for my iPhone anymore, which, you know, has been great for three years or so but uh you know starting to move up in the world and you know we've got the sponsorship to uh, to kind of allow us to do th- some bigger things and so uh i'm i'm really excited to uh to get that going and, and hopefully bring some better content to you guys but yeah going back all that, all that uh and is hugely in part to to raise dyes and tubing and fast one motorsports are two sponsors uh so far this year have uh, you know really helped us do some great things and uh, hopefully to continue on to that uh, further on into the year so uh, let's get right into it here lee usa speedway this weekend dustin wasn't able to go down but i uh, i made the trip a very long trip but all all in total i think i spent seven hours driving on sunday which was crazy because it felt like i spent you know 15 hours at the racetrack um but all sorts of stuff happened. Wayne Hallowell dominates the race, but th- then gets disqualified. Jimmy Hebert has the practice crash, um, and is now considering racing part time this year. After he uh, previously told us that he was going to go part time after this year, he's uh, already starting to think about uh, about doing it this year. With him already uh, uh, over fifty points out of the um, points. Or, 56 points back from the points lead, just three races in a couple of bad races for him. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll take a look at the at the point standings uh, as we um, are now three races into the 12 race ACT schedule. Uh, take a look at, at some guys who are who are right up there. And and there's a few surprises, Dustin in points. And there's uh you know, there's a few guys that aren't doing as well as we thought and guys that are doing a lot better than we thought um and so we'll get to all that and we'll finish off the show by uh, talking with with steven donahue who drives the number two uh the number two vermont late model and the american canadian tour he just finished a ninth after starting on the pole at lee uh so we'll get his thoughts on lee and and uh you know talk to him with uh, about all other things uh in his racing career so far but got a huge show for you here dustin so uh this should be a good one let's get right into it
1: yeah, let's uh, talk about Lee. So how was that um, – first off, how was that trip?
0: It was good. I mean, it's basically – basically going to Lee from from Vermont is almost identical uh, to going to Loudoun. You just drive like a half hour or 45 minutes past Loudoun. Um, and, and so it's, it's pretty similar to the trip we all just took a, a couple of weeks back to go – uh, to to Loudon, so it really wasn't all that different. Just kind of long and tedious, and it was uh, it was dark and rainy at the end. And I was, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I got home at about eleven o'clock on on Sunday night, and you know that that alarm clock was set for five a.m. so I could get into the store, and you know I, I I was ready for it to be over by the time it was over.
1: I feel like one of one of the um with the flyaway races for us, it's just it's the it's not. The travel, it's the, we have jobs we have to go to on Monday type of thing, right? It's the, you know, when we get home, I think I took the Monday after New Hampshire, I think I was going to go to work and I just woke up and I was like, nah, it's it's not happening. And it, it it's a little difficult sometimes because, you know, the ACC, so I, I really... You know, gain some respect for these drivers who are doing it full time because some of these guys are taking long trips and they have day jobs. Like it's not like they are on working on their car the entire you know the entire week. So you know they got to go to work on Monday and it is just rough. But I looked up, I was like, oh, Nick's going to Lee, USA. I'm like, then I looked up, I'm like, oh, that's uh. That's almost going to Boston right there. That's a long trip. That is what, seven and a half hours in the car was, but the track looks beautiful. What type of facility was it? Was it a fun facility?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it was really nice. It was, uh, you know, all the amenities were really great. Um, And the track, obviously there's a lot of history there. There's, um, you know, it's a staple of New England racing. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, a great facility, great press area for, for me to settle in, in and uh, the pits look, the pits were really nice, the track looked great, and, uh, you know, everybody there was, was doing a good job, so, I mean, this is a track that ACT hasn't gone to in a few years, but, um, you know, after this weekend, I, I really hope that they continue going there, it was my first trip out there, but, um, you know, I, I had a great time, facility was great, amenities were great, uh, and the people were great and, you know, you can't, can't really complain. Racing was great as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope it's a, it's a track, you know, for the, the mileage on my car purposes, I hope that, you know, it's only a one year, a, a one race a year, uh, deal, but, uh, you know, it's a fun trip to make good race and, uh, you know, had a lot of fun. So, um, definitely looking to go back soon, but, um, you know, there's a lot of good racing here as well. And, uh, it, all started off as soon as we saw that Wayne Hellowell Junior was on the entry list, that's when we uh that's when you kinda say, All right, so maybe this race is almost decided uh because of the way Wayne dominated that down at Hickory. Um and he dominated again this time too. He started uh he ran well in practice, started up front in the race and uh it really wasn't long before he was up in the front and then I mean this race was simply a battle between him and DJ Shaw going back and forth. Um but at the end of the day it was Wayne out in front, across the line, and very similar to New Hampshire dust, and it's it's funny. I actually got the call from uh from Mike Stridsberg in almost the identical spot to where he called me when um <laughs> when uh, DJ Shaw was disqualified at Loudon back in April. Uh, I got another call, and I was like, uh oh, here we go. And um, it's uh, Wayne Hallowell this time disqualified. Uh, for a suspension infraction it's uh, now out there that uh, the fuel cell location was not uh, where the ACT approves it approves the fuel cell to be um, and so that uh, that costs Wayne the, the win um, and you know obviously it doesn't run for points but it costs him the, the victory and the, the money that goes with it uh, so a tough break for for hella well. um, and this is a very interesting uh disqualification for me. It, it's, it's funny because DJ Shaw ends up with the win. He gets his first ACT win the same exact way he lost a shot what looked like his first ACT win uh, a month ago at, at Loudoun. He wins one the same way he lost one. Um and so DJ Shaw gets the win, but uh you know, Wayne Hellowell disqualified here for this uh for the fuel cell um not being in the in the correct position and so uh it creates an interesting dynamic now Dustin, with with two dqs to start off the year in the first three races
1: yeah so you know yeah so you know looking at that it, it is interesting that you have two dqs you're gonna have to start staying for the tech shed nick that's gonna be the uh requirement now But my question is, did Hellu move the gas location between Hickory and now? Or has that been the same thing? Because I had, you know, we had talked about it off air, but like there were some people who I thought were not happy with the Hickory events.
0: Yeah, so obviously um, it was something that a lot of drivers were noticing at Hickory. Um, The rear end of Wayne's car is unique and unlike any other car that races act thunder road the um the rear clip is kind of bent off it's kind of off to the left um and while it and every everything that we had heard going into this was that it was fully legal but they hadn't they hadn't put that through tech yet i guess I'm not a hundred percent on all the details here, um, and I'm sure somebody will will be through to correct me because this is a very touchy subject um, but you know there was a lot of there was a lot of chatter about uh, about the about Wayne's car at Hickory, um, enough to the point where it was brought up in the driver's meeting by Chris Mashad um, and you know they said. They said, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, this is, it's, you know, it's good for now, you know. um And, but he did know, Chris did know that while they were going to kind of be lenient on people at Hickory, because it's an exhibition race, doesn't count for points, but once New Hampshire came around, the tech shed was going to be very, very strict. He made that clear to everyone that was down at Hickory. um And... So far, he's kept his word, and the tech shed has been very, very strict, to, for you know the first three races of the year because it's resulted in two disqualifications. So, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's something, if it's a case where they let something go because it was an exhibition race at Hickory. I don't think it was that. I think it was more of they didn't, they didn't check fuel cells in post race tech. They now, uh, you know, obviously they aren't going through the entire car post-race tech line every race so this race they must have you know it must have been chosen fuel cells to uh in the location of them to be checked in the tech line um and you know that's kind of thrown a wrench into things because a lot of what i've heard this year is that include that involved in the strictness of the uh, of the tech shed that chris was mentioning at hickory um and we've now seen play out twice this season um they've been checking things that teams and drivers have not normally been accustomed to having ACT check in tech so it's you know like um it's it's very it's interesting because you know there's parts and pieces that you know generally don't go that don't get inspected in, in the tech line and that kind and ACT seems like they're kind of throwing curve balls at teams by going through Different parts and pieces that they than what they usually do, and I believe that's what that's that's all this is, is that you know they just they chose fuel cells for as one of the items that was uh, getting inspected after the race at Lee and uh, Wayne's. They just didn't it didn't fit the measurements. Um, you know Wayne obviously in his statement on his Facebook page said that you know it worked out on their measurement, but. Um, the ACT, obviously, their measurements are what goes and they disagreed. So it's a very interesting subject, very touchy and something that not that really if you're not part of the ACT, you're not going to know a whole lot about this. It's as simple as that um, because, you know, they're not going to tell people how they're going to drive put drivers through tech. That's my best theory on what's going on, um, you know, knowing a, considerab- a considerable amount of of details about what's going on and um and you know the situations um but no I, the only people that know for sure what's going on with is ACT and you know honestly for the for the sake of continuing to be strict and trying to stay one step ahead of these drivers I don't think they're going to they're, they're going to be overly open about it which I can't really blame them um but you know the bottom line here to to end this kind of ramble that I'm on is that is that ACT is going to be strict as hell on on guys this year. And it's something that historically they have not been all that strict in tech line. They, there's not been a lot of disqualifications over the course of the last few years. Um, and I think this is ACT kind of sending a message saying, we're keeping up with you guys. You know, we're not, we want this field to be um, 100% legal, 100% fair. It's going to lead to better racing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think the precedent is set now, um, and they have definitely sent the message to every single team that pulls into the garage area every week, um, that you know no stone goes unturned this year.
1: Uh, that's the interesting thing that I really noticed was that. I don't remember the last time we had back-to-back ACT races where somebody got DQ'd. I, you know, it's not something that you really hear about. You know, I know at Thunder Road we had one, you know, maybe one or two DQs a season with the late models, but it's uh, so it's just really interesting to me to see that you know, <clears throat> after some chatter in preseason and the C- ACT now, just you know, really drop the hammer. And I, I'm personally all for it. I think it's good to have a tech shed that, you know, you know. You, it's it's the fine line of the tech shed is letting people get away with things. And the tech shed, you know, you're at Five Flags Speedway and then it's the Snowball Derby and it, it's about the tech shed. And I think, you know, it's just interesting to me that we've had back to back DQs. I, I think it's good that they're being a little more tight, but, you know, it, 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 it's just one of those things where you look up and go, huh interesting but you know i think it doesn't take away from the on track product though you know i think the races are still going to be wonderful and i think this lee usa race it's just it was really interesting to me to see that you know shaw it's just it's just shah won a race i saw him get in victory lane but i didn't actually see him win a race you know i saw you know it, it, it's just uh it's kind of funny how that works out and it it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes. It'll be interesting to see how many more DQs there are. And I, uh, you know, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, I, I think any, for anybody who's worried about the DQs being too much, you know, yeah. It, I mean, dude, it sucks. That, the first, that Not back-to-back races, to correct you. It's not back-to-back. It's two out of three because Thunder Road didn't have a DQ. Um, but I uh, totally
1: forgot about that.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, so Thunder Road, Thunder Road was an ACT points race, although it it almost didn't feel like it because it was just you know Thunder Road. But um, you know, so we're we're two, you know, two out of three. Um, and a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, it's it's you know, ACT is going to drive people away because if you win a race, they're going to disqualify you. No it's as simple as that no um if anything i think that the drivers are going to especially the drivers that aren't winning every week are going to be okay with the tech shed holding people accountable um and really you know throwing curveballs at guys every once in a while um Simply because it's going to keep the racing fair. I mean, if there's a, 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 well, we'll put it this way would you rather have your sanctioning body turn a blind eye to cars that are not by the book legal um, and therefore have a performance advantage upon your car? Which might, you know, I know a lot of drivers that, you know, for. Every driver, Dustin, that, especially in NASCAR, says, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, there's a driver that wouldn't in their wildest dreams go a millimeter away from the ACT specifications. And for every one of those drivers, there is, you know, it's, you don't want to have to run against guys that, might have their cars set up that aren't in act specifications um in certain areas and so overall for the overall equality and, and fairness of um of the series it's great for the series to send this message saying that we're holding teams accountable i hope to god that there's not another disqualification this year because it absolutely sucks to see a guy win a race and to go home and to, and to sit down on your couch and open up to the inside groove and read that the guy that you saw win the race and do the burnouts and have the victory lane interview has been disqualified. You know, it sucks for me because the interview I did with DJ Shaw was a interview on second place where DJ Shaw was dejected and frustrated and, you know, thought that he should have won that race. And then I get an hour away and they find out and I find out that he that he did win the race. You know, it sucks on that part, but it's good for the series that they're sending this message saying we aren't going to take crap from anybody and we are going to play 100% by the book and all the drivers should too or else you're going to be sent to the back you're going to have your check taken away and you're going to lose the points as well um so you know it's a double-edged sh- it's a double-edged sword but long term if things kind of settle down here you know if we have six more disqualifications this season it's going to be that's when it I will start to get concerned but if they can, if the drivers can get it to the point where there's not another one this year, then I think that in the long run, this is going to be great for the series.
1: And I agree with you on that point. And, you know, it is kind of, <laughs> I feel bad because it's like, we do such great coverage of victory lane and then you get the second and third place guy. So, you know, we drive two hours at home and it's like, oh, got to go on Instagram, got to go on Facebook, got to put an edit, got to change all the coverage, got to be like, yep, we know there was a DQ. It's it's unfortunate. So, But now, you know, it changes the point standings a little bit because now, you know, DJ Shaw gets a few more points than he had after. He's one of our title contenders. So it's interesting that he gets this win. And I don't have the current ACT points, Nick, but you had them going into the race. What do they look like coming out now?
0: So, yeah, it's it's become a very tight battle up at the top because – so, with New Hampshire, obviously Shaw got last place points for that race. Um – and he uh, – so that obviously put him in a huge hole. After New Hampshire, it's funny to think about. Two races ago, after New Hampshire, we were saying, wow, this season is going to be about DJ Shaw working his way back up in the point standings. He's going to have to fight tooth and nail to get up to the front. Um, you know, it's going to be next to a possible uh, – if Hebert runs the way he did last year, but we'll see what happens. He is uh, third in points, if, I, if I'm if i correct. I believe so. Um, Or fourth fourth maybe let me check um (laughs) let me check the official point standings um but yeah no it's uh it's a very uh interesting landscape now because Shaw is at 180 point or at um 180 points i believe and so he is right there um i believe uh 29 back if I'm looking correctly, I'm pulling it up here. No, he's seventeen back. Sorry. Two hundred and eighty points, seventeen back. That was bad because I didn't have the points pulled up, so I'm very sorry about that. Um but uh yeah, Shaw so DJ Shaw's up to third place in points, seventeen points back uh behind Benro, who's the leader, and Stephen Donahue's who's eight points back in second. So this is not what we expected. We did not think DJ Shaw would be up this this quickly, um, but the power steering pump that that blew on jimmy hebert's car at thunder road and the um And then the practice crash for Jimmy Hebert, where he didn't even get starting points at Lee USA, which we'll get to in a second, has Jimmy Hebert now ninth in the point standings, even though he won Loudon to kick off the year. He has a 29th uh, at at Thunder Road, and then didn't even start at Lee. So it's been a brutal start to the year for Hebert after getting uh, the victory at Loudon, and... uh, DJ Shaw's kind of taking advantage. He finished sixth at Thunder Road, which was the best amongst ACT regulars. Uh, and then he gets the win at, at Lee, uh, benefiting off the the Wayne Hellowell disqualification. So, um, you know, I think DJ Shaw and, and, and DJ Shaw is a lot faster right now than Ben Rowe and Stephen Donahue. Um, and I, I think DJ Shaw is going to be right there I don't know if he'll be challenged this year because Donahue and Roe are you know they're there but um it, it's going to be close because Roe you got two top fives to start off the year eighth at Lee um I, I mean Shaw has just been consistently up front a lot more often than, than Rowe or Donahue has right now. And Tom Carey's coming off two back-to-back finishes where they were just having miserable days. 17th at Thunder Road, 13th at Lee. Um, and, you know, that's going to be tough for them. And the shaw has got a 13 point cushion on him. Dylan Paya is, is fifth in the standings, but you know, he just wrecked a car at Lee. He's, you know, they're, they're going to have to work really hard to get that car ready for white mountain. Um, and, and on uh, June 12th, I believe that race is in the spring green. Uh, Derek Luchaki is there, 39 points back. He got a top, he got sixth at Lee, but, you know, still hasn't finished in the top five this year. He's shown signs, but, um, you know, he's not quite there yet. So it, it, at the beginning of the year, we talked about how he's going to be a Jimmy Hebert and DJ Shaw battle for the championship. With Hebert really far behind the eight ball right now this could be a DJ Shaw battle for the championship at this point. Um, You know, anything could happen, obviously, as we've seen, just about anything has happened in the first three races this year. Um, But, you know, at this point, I really like Shaw's chances of not only winning this championship, but kind of running away with it.
1: Yeah, I feel like at this point, I don't see any other path besides DJ Shaw running away with it, unless if, you know the guys in first and second say, Hey, we're going to put some more resources into our cars now because we have an actual shot at running with DJ. But I think it's a little too late in the season to do that. You know, we're three, we're three events in, it's like, we're a month in, it's at this point, one of those things where it's like, I think the next race, you know, Shaw's going to come out and he's got to like, what. what, what fourth or fifth to take the lead in the points basically so like i think he's going to come out you know take the lead and he's going to be going away because you know we don't even know if jimmy hebert's going to run the rest of the season so now it went from you know this is going to be a really big battle between these two guys that it's dj Shaw's to lose i would say
0: yeah and i mean wait matt it'll be very interesting um and then thunder road obviously are the x-factors you know you've got uh, you've got Labor Day later on in the year, but the how you run as an ACT regular at the Two Thunder Road races is very, very important on um you know how you get to the path to the championship. And you know DJ run well at Thunder Road. He's not probably not going to compete for wins at Thunder Road, but as an ACT regular and a non-Thunder Road regular, if you go in and get a and get a top ten. That's a great day at Thunder Road if you're an ACT regular, and only a couple guys were able to do that, Um, but DJ finished better than all the other Thunder Road regulars, Um, and I'm sure the fact that having, you know, Arnie Hill and and Matt Smith uh, on that team working on that car for DJ, preparing it uh, for a track that they run weekly is is very helpful, Um, but You know, you look at White Mountain next, and, you know, that's a track that Stephen Donahue's very good at. That's a track that Tom Carey's very good at. Ben Rowe's great there. Um, You know, I wouldn't be shocked if Hebert came back, made a reemergence, and won White Mountain. He won the race. He won the spring green last year. So, you know, there's – it's not – I mean, we're three races in. I'm not going out and saying that a guy who's still – Not even in the points lead is going to win the championship um but at this point it, it looks like through three races the speed and performance that i've seen all points all finishing results t- uh, aside the performance i've seen is that dj shaw has the best car in the field right now um and, and if that keeps up then yeah he will probably he'll probably end up a, with a championship at the end of the year but i mean let's not try to rush racing season here there is a, a long way to go um for things to happen and as you've seen the two race stretch took jimmy hebert completely out of this thing for the most part and he might not even be out of it yet you know if he if he decides to continue running full-time um then you know he's still got a chance you know i'm saying you know 56 points is a lot but you know i'm not saying that he's done yet so you know there's just so much racing left to go and I, you know i like looking at points this early in the year um i like looking at points after the first race um and i know a lot of people don't care about points until you know the final five races or so but i think it's a very interesting way to look at how this picture how the picture of a season is painted and you know that's uh that's where we're at right now and and Seeing the rises and the falls and the point standings already with various misfortunes and good luck of of various drivers has been very interesting to watch so far. So, you know, I, I think the top 10 in the standings this year for ACT is going to go up and down and sideways and backwards. Um, And it, it's been it, it's done that so far through three races. And I, I really don't think it's going to stop anytime soon
1: it's going to be very fun to watch what happens in that midfield now, because it seems like it's even more wide open than we thought it was going to be at the start of the season. So I think we're going to have some great ACT races and, you know, I think, you know, yeah, we're three races in, but it's going to be so much more. It's going to be so much fun. You know, I, each race has had something special happen too. you know, each race had something weird happen. So it's going to be, I think we're in for a good season.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Let's let's talk about Jimmy Hebert here because, I mean, this was obviously a season-altering weekend for him at, at Lee, which is a track that he's won at in the past. Uh, and he had a very fast car in practice. It looked like they were there and going to really compete for a win today or on, on Sunday. But then David McDonald in the 69 car blows a rear end in turn three in the third and final practice session. Hebert hits the oil already a track at lee that does not have a ton of grip uh you put oil in the middle of a cornering area and yeah jimmy hebert backs the car into the wall i mean that he uh he tore that thing up pretty good i'm not sure if if it's a car that they'll be able to salvage much out of um you know the rear end completely destroyed he said that the the engine was pushed uh, like two inches forward um out of position so you know, just a, a really hard hit for him. We're, we're glad he's okay, but just completely dejected afterwards, and it was a very interesting story afterwards, because um, he was trying to get, or, or right after the crash, they barely had the car back in on the hook, and Peyton Lanfear walked up and, and offered to run the 58 number on her car, since, you know, she's not running for points this year. And Uh, you know Jimmy ultimately after surveying the damage seeing obviously they weren't gonna get back out with that car um, you know said okay yeah Peyton you can run the 58 and the ACT officials said whoa 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 not so fast we have a rule that once you draw a chip for qualifying you can't change the number on your car so that's (laughs) they said the only way and a, a couple of people I've seen have thrown up questions about Sean Swallow driving Nick Sweet's car. Well, Sean Swallow actually drove Nick Sweet's car. Nick Sweet didn't change the number on his car to get points for Sean Swallow at Thunder Road uh, a couple of weeks back. So this different situation. The only way Hebert would have been able to get points with Peyton Landfier's car is if he actually drove Peyton Landfier's car. And... You know, they were gonna try that. Um, but obviously Jimmy Hebert and Peyton Lenture are two completely um different sized humans, and so uh Jimmy did not fit into the seat, uh and so that was it. And obviously frustrating for Jimmy Hebert, um and you know, I don't blame him. This that's a tough, tough rule. Um I, I think a, a little bit in my opinion, I think it's a little bit too Too strict of a rule, right there. My idea, you know, is let let Lanfear take the car number, and and run the and run the fifty-eight. But in you know, and so you're not interfering with the integrity of the chips, which I completely understand. Have Lanfear start at the back of the feature and just have her start last place, you know, take a qualifying spot away if she changes her number. So she runs for, for Jimmy Hebert, but you know, this, you know, Jimmy Hebert was really frustrated and his team, they were really frustrated with this because, you know, even getting last place points in this race compared to no points at all really would have helped keep them in the championship battle. But now, like we've talked about, they're almost 60 points behind the eight ball, um, you know, with nine races to go. So, it's tough, Jimmy said Jimmy was saying at the track, I'm not sure if he's if they've talked it over thought about it, and changed their mind yet or if they're uh if they're actually gonna do it, but Jimmy sounds like he's uh only gonna be running the big money events at this point because they're so far out of it, um, but he was incredibly frustrated, you know obviously aCT I was't I'm not asking them to change to have changed the rule in that scenario to accommodate Jimmy Hebert um. You know, I don't think you do that, and the rules are the rules. But I think that's a bad rule. Um, I'll be I'll be 100% honest. I think that's a bad rule. I think that's something that they should look at after the season. And you know, because this is a situation where you know Jimmy Hebert's really frustrated from this situation because it's uh, it's something that really cost him a lot of points at the end of the day. So um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like the rule. I think they should change it over the off season, but it, it really did sting Jimmy Hebert this uh this weekend.
1: Well, the thing I see is that if you are allowed to bring a car after what was post time to the track so a driver can run, why can't you swap out a car number before qualifying and after the chip has been drawn? Like that's what really gets me. Like it's one of those things where it's like All right. So this rule. So you're telling me if Jimmy Hebert was able to go down the road and bring a car up, even after qualifying and run it, he would have been fine if he just fit in a car. Like that's what, that's what kind of seems annoying to me. You know, like you've seen this actually a couple of times, uh, up in NASCAR where, you know, somebody misses a race and you can, like, buy a seat from somebody, right? Like, so why, why, you know, it just kind of made no sense to me that, you know, this is somebody who was not going to run for points. So, you know, you don't really have to worry about, you know, Jimmy Heber just trying to stay competitive. And this could have been a really easy, yep, okay, you know, you haven't qualified yet. And if it is something about qualifying, then have them go to the back of the feature. Like, it seems like a really it seems like a rule that shouldn't be a rural that like, it seems like something that should be easy, easy to you know to deal with, because like, it's, it's clear that, you know, now you, you know, you lose somebody who has a shot at a championship because they weren't able to do anything. Like, you know, you, you, you had plenty of, you know, you had a solution and I, I agree with you. I don't like the rule and I hope they change it this off season.
0: Yeah. And I mean, well, here's, here's the thing about, uh, about that is that you know, once again Hebert, Peyton Landfield was the only one to offer Jimmy Hebert a car um, for Hebert to drive so Hebert doesn't fit into the seat you know, that's it I'm not asking that the ACT would have changed the rule because I'll tell you what the minute that you start changing rules on the fly to accommodate guys is the moment that your series starts to go downhill, so I applaud Chris Michaud and and the ACT you know, the people that make the decisions up top for not changing the rule for Jimmy Hebert. And I don't think that would have ev- ever been under consideration. That being said, once again, I don't like the rule. I think that, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to make it. So in the event, 90% of these guys, well, 100% of these people, I'm pretty sure came to the track with one car. So, you know, the chances of this happening again are probably pretty high. Especially considering it just happened last week at Thunder Road, but luckily we were in Barrie, so Nick Sweet was able to get a car for Sean Swallow. Sean Swallow was able to fit in the seat. You know, Jimmy Hebert couldn't get into for his seat, and, you know, now that that's tough. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a thing where the rule can be changed to accommodate situations like that, um, and it, it should be changed. Um, but you know, this, this situation, it, it's, it's tough because I do not blame Jimmy Hebert and the 58 team for being really mad because they, they lost a lot of points and they lost an opportunity to, to get a good finish. And I believe Peyton Linfield finished, uh, 12th or 13th in this race. So they, Hebert would have gotten a good point point night from that. Um, but the rule is there. The rule exists you don't you don't go away from the rules once they exist you change them in the off season if the need comes and i think this is personally i think this is one that they should change because i think that as a sanctioning body in the act you have guys coming from a long way to run in your series and you know you you need to accommodate them in the best best possible way um and, you know, I get the qualifying, I, I get why the rule is there, but in this era, people bringing, you know, people are bringing one car to the track, if they wreck that car, if there's an accident in practice, they wreck it, they're done for the day, and it could possibly cost them a championship, you know, that's, that is just not good for anybody. It's one less car that you have in the field, um, you know, it's one less driver that you have, you know, really happy with your organization and you know at the end of the day it just needs to it needs to come down where you want to have as many cars in the field you want to have as many guys in the championship hunt at the end of the year um and you want to create the best racing possible i think that the you know that's a that's a rule that could get changed um and should at least get looked at this off season and um but you know at the same time this situation they did the right thing they followed the rule um, i if you are asking them to not follow the rule then you do not have the best interests of the american canadian tour in mind so that should be uh interesting to watch throughout the year we'll see it very well could happen could come up again um you know before seasons end but uh it'll be it'll be interesting jimmy Hebert definitely uh was on the short end of the stick uh this week and and we'll see where it goes from here but you know it's, uh, it's one of, another one of those situations. I'll say it again. It sucks, but the right decisions were made.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I would wonder. I would wonder why the rule was there in the first place. That's what gets me about that. That's 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 what has me interested because that's a seems like an odd rule to have.
0: So here's why it's because when you draw chips in qualifying um especially with the plus minus uh it makes a huge difference because if um you know I am car A and I draw um you know I draw chip 1 which means I'll start on the pole in the first heat race and have the and have zero chance of getting a plus anything um and then I in the car B gets chip ninety five and they start last place in the heat race and they're able to excuse me, drive through and get a plus five or plus six, which is a pole position for most races, what's stopping me from, from switching out. So that's manipulated qualifying right there. Um that's all this rule is is for is to uh, you know, keep people from, from manipulating, qualifying, you know, dry racers will do anything for a a little advantage. And so so you have to think of the little things like that and rules like that have to apply. And the idea of the rule is correct. But I just think that if you want to switch numbers or you want to have, you want to run somebody else's number for them, you start at the back. You start at the tail end of the feature um and you know you can run it go out run the heat races if you want you know that that can be figured out but you start at the tail end of the feature um and you know that's it it's as simple as that that's that's just my thinking on it um i'm sure others think different and uh but you know that's the way it works and i certainly don't make the decisions we just talk about them um so we'll see what happens but um at at this point let's uh take a left turn here and uh and go on to our interview for today uh we'll go ahead and talk with the driver of the number two american canadian tour late model here's stephen donahue all right everybody welcome back to the inside Groove podcast presented by raised eyes and tubing Today, Now time for our guest on today's episode and uh, it's another driver of the American-Canadian Tour just coming off of a ninth place run at Lee USA Speedway on Sunday. It's Stephen Donahue. Stephen, how we doing, buddy?
2: Oh, you know, living the dream. Thank you for having me on. It's real honor. I haven't been on one of these before, so it's kind of cool.
0: So, uh, yeah, we're glad to have you for sure. So, uh, let's start right off with, uh, with Lee on Sunday. He started on the pole, obviously, and you looked really good, uh, all, all day long. Uh, this feature was a little bit of a, a little bit of a struggle, probably more than you guys were imagining a little bit. Um, and it ended up being a pretty wild day for you guys. You got through a, a spin and, uh, ultimately brought it home in the top 10. Again, your third, uh, top 10 finish to start the year, you finished top 10 in all five, uh, races this year if you want to go back to the uh, the hickory races but uh, overall you know a lot happened for you what were your overall thoughts on the day at Lee?
2: I'd say they were uh, I'd say it was successful I mean I've gone there a lot of times watching my dad through the years obviously but I've never actually been on the track or even been in the pits really up until this weekend and it it was it drove a lot different than I thought it would actually the track from the stands was always seemed like it had a lot of room. Well, once I got on it, it took me a couple of practices to get used to it, but it was a lot of fun, really wore out track. And once we bolted new tires on it, it really took off. But with us not having a notebook course, my and one Norm Andrews who sets up the car, he had never been there before. So we were kind of going in blind. So after everything that went on, I'd say it was a, a still successful day for, for the team. I mean, keeping the top 10s alive is obviously something we've struggled with the last couple of years consistency so it's uh, good to get out of there with the top 10 and still be I think we closes the gap on first and points actually by a little bit so we'll go into White Mountain where we're really confident in that and try and get a win there hopefully
0: yeah now you're you're, you know, two or three races into the points counting season now. You're, you're set, sitting second in the standings. Um, I, th- I think you're down to just nine points behind Ben Rowe for the, uh, for the lead. Looking back at these three races so far, uh, you know, what are you guys doing, uh, doing right that? has really kind of fired off for you guys this year where uh, that you haven't had in prior years, where, like you said, you haven't had the luck and the finishes that uh, maybe you've had the speed for. Uh, And what's one thing that you think will, uh, that you guys still need to work towards to kind of push to uh, that next level to where you can be, you know, up in the top five consistently and, and really competing for those wins.
2: Probably a lot of it is me to be honest. I mean, I'm still, I've been in, this is my fifth year with Norm Andrews, which is, I've been very fortunate to get hooked up with him. He's really uh, helped out my driving because I'm a bit of a hothead. If people ever actually was on my radio, I get wound up fairly quick, but he's been really good at keeping me calm. And of course, I drive different with it being his car. I try to, I don't want to tear his stuff up. So it's, I've been, this year, it's been trying to keep the car in one piece, and I don't try to keep it as much in my liner as i can obviously there's it's racing you're gonna bang doors and stuff which we understand it's uh we we haven't been having parts, failures. Norm went through the car this winter uh before actually right after the off season and he went through every nut and bowl anything he thought needed to be changed. he changed because last year it wasn't his fault, obviously i mean it's racing so break, But he, I feel like he was kind of more mad that the car broke, like at Groveston or White Mountain. But I mean, I took it as that's just part of it. I always kept saying, we're fast, we're there, we just need, we get a little bit of luck and I know we'll, we'll get a win or we'll, we'll be up there. So that's kind of just been our mindset through this whole off season, which we haven't really had the last couple of years. We've had bits and pieces where we might be fast here or there but last year we were fast everywhere we went and we just didn't have the luck so I think this year we're just going into it with a little bit better mindset a little bit more upbeat than we have in the past couple years
0: yeah I mean it seems like uh you've settled into a really good situation there with uh with Norm Andrews obviously a uh, a legend in these parts uh kind of tell us about you know go back to to when that all started how did you uh get hooked up with Norm and, and get to uh get to drive the car for him and um i guess go more go a little bit more into you know what he's able to teach you um you know being a former uh, a former racer himself
2: yeah yeah he actually uh ken ghost actually someone i can actually really say got me more or less uh tied up with norm he uh I went to Loudon. I wanted to practice my dad's late mall there. I was only in Tigers. I think it was my rookie year in Tigers. And uh, we went down to the test session day, and Tom is back when Tom Curley was still alive. So Tom said the only way he'd let me in the car is if Ken Ghostland was spotting. And he's a obviously a very good spotter. I spot for Matt White full-time, and he's, his son obviously runs Loudon now. Uh, Matt goes. And he, uh, he spotted for me, and he really – worked with me that day and he uh started talking to norm of course norm had beetle Bailey running this car that season so that might have been my championship game lane models actually um but at the end of the season they split up beetle and norm and ken ken and norm started talking and they uh they decided they wanted to talk to me about running it so actually ken got a hold of my parents to talked to them before I actually even knew anything, which was kind of weird because we were starting as the off season. So we had my target car all ready to go except for paint. So I was planning on going to defend my title and we went over there and, you know, Ken brought me over there. It was just me and Ken Gosling brought me over there and uh, Billy Nelson, who's our tire guy and Maria, his wife. And we all went over there and talked and it was, uh, I say it was really intimidating for me because I'd never really met one up until then, and obviously I walk in his garage and he's got trophies from Senair and Airborne and like all all in his garage. It's this nice, beautiful late model with a uh, pretty much a half brand new body. The doors weren't on it yet, and we we actually had a little contract we signed. Not really contract, it was on like a sticky note more or less. And we started that first year and it just kind of went, it went really well, actually. We had a couple, I had a couple stupid moments. Actually, my first time at Thunder Road, I got wound up and we wrecked the car. But after that, everything's kind of been smooth sailing.
0: So you obviously uh, got to run that really cool paint scheme. Um hickory that was a throwback to your grandfather i mean that was uh that was really cool to see when i was down there and i know a lot of people appreciated that as well so kind of take us through i guess what how that came about what the idea was and and then what what it was like yeah it was
2: uh obviously my grandfather he's been right full into it with us he got us all started in it obviously but uh ever since i started racing he obviously spotted for my father because my father wasn't around a whole lot when I started. He built me the car, and he was at the house. He'd work on it a little bit, but he was obviously with his own deal, which I don't blame him. He was going for a tour and running Thunder Rose. So he was busy. But my grandfather had supported me anyway, every way he could. He actually even bought me a car in uh, Daredevil's after I wrecked the week before the last race. Race ready $500 car just so I could go out and race. And... I'm a big fan of green and white, obviously, as most of my cars have shown. And i always wanted to just show my appreciation to him. Obviously, I tell him that, too, but I just wanted to show my appreciation for everything he's done for me. And uh, so I really tried to – it's hard to keep it a secret from him because through the whole winter, he's like, I want to see the car. I want to see the car. He was in Florida, so I brought my car over to his house and built it up built in there. Just me and my dad came over to help me on the body. Um, So I put the Dodge nose on it and we bought the vinyl. My mom and my buddy Justin Johnson, Brian Pellegrini came up and we laid the green vinyl on a white body. And it wasn't the best. Of course, we were a little pressed on time by the time we got to that because we Luckily, I put a setup in it for me. because The COVID and everything, he hadn't done his shot yet, so he didn't really want to go risk going down. But he put a setup in the car for me. And I think it was a couple days. We went, left a week early because we went to Bristol. A couple days before we left, Jason came up and did an awesome job doing the vinyl and trying to do something special for him. And obviously, I always love to look at that old Dodge. Dodge Aspen was the picture I always saw, so it was uh, why we had the Dodge nose on it. It's just really cool to go back to that, and it kind of worked out perfectly going to a legendary track like Hickory.
0: Yeah, man, that's uh, that's about as as cool as it gets, and yeah, definitely with Hickory, a, a track that, uh, you know, so many people have. Uh... Have started out their careers at. And there's so much history you could see just walking through the, those gates was uh, was just really special and uh, yeah to get to, to get to run a throwback to you know your own grandfather's obviously uh, such a cool uh, such a cool thing to do. So I'm I'm happy for you guys that you guys were able to do that and uh, it turned out really well. So um, you know going on one more generation up the family tree here, obviously your dad another uh, another incredibly successful driver uh in his career a former uh milk bowl winner you know he's, he's done just about everything as well so um you know growing up you know getting to see your dad have so much success at the track and uh you know what was that like for you uh did you were you able to learn anything now that you were uh in his spot as a late model driver and you know does he still teach you or give you a little advice in- Pieces of advice here or there, uh, uh, as you know, you start your own career.
2: Yeah, I remember when I was younger, very little from what I can can remember. Uh, being at our old house on Donahue Road, he had great friends like Mike Carpenter, Norm Ledoux, Mitch Peetman, uh, Brian Brown. Always come over, they'd work on the car, his old Tiger car. A little bit I can remember back then is that's when he was really, really more or less kicking ass in the Tigers right before he got done. It was always cool to see dad come home with a new trophy because I didn't really get to uh, go to the races a whole lot because uh, I was a little bit young and I was always uh, really, really hyper. So my grandparents couldn't always keep an eye on me. I'd, I'd run off and be playing with the other kids and get lost. So. But it was always cool to see him come home with a new trophy. And then once he, now that, once I got older enough to actually start watching, like one of the first races I really remember him winning, he was racing for Mike Thompson with a green and black car. And then after that, he got hooked up with Kendall the next year, Kendall Roberts with the National Guard Car, which was perfect. They had so much success. And the favorite out of that whole deal is the, obviously, the 2009 Milk Bowl, which I don't remember a whole lot about the day, but I do remember him and Brent Dragon battling out, and he ended up on top, which was obviously really cool. We actually got the trophies usually hanging up in the windowsill in the, the main part of the house, which everyone, when everyone comes in, they're a little dusty right now, but uh, but uh nowadays, it's... He obviously always worked on my Tiger Car a lot. He really, obviously groomed me with that when he started getting out with out with the late model he wasn't racing so much but now we uh we have a bit of a unique relationship we argue an awful lot but at the end of the day we try to or i try to make sure make sure he has the best guy he can have to go out there and win so we do a lot of work to his guy during the week and the probably best advice he gave me was when i got norm's ride is race it like you would your own car, but listen to everything he says. It's it's his car, he pays the bills, what he says goes. And it really made my relationship with Norm go really, really well. Norm is the boss, he tells me to do anything that's pretty much, that's how it goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember going uh, as a kid, I think your dad's National Guard car was probably the most um, recognizable car at the track when I was a kid as a grown up as a big NASCAR fan. Cause it looked just like Dale jr's uh, national guard car that he was running back in those days. So, uh, yeah, definitely many fond memories personally for me, uh, you know, going to Thunder Road and, and watching as a kid uh, growing up, but let's move on to you. Uh, you know, obviously you're making your own name for yourself. Uh, let's take a look, you know, at what your, uh, what, what does your race day look like? Um, you know, do uh do you have any like routines or superstitions before a race or uh are you just kind of easygoing going into it
2: No, usually my race day I, I get a little antsy the day before of course, that's, that's usually the day i look forward to every week it's just i do what i gotta do to get through the day but obviously that is the week that's got the race track but i mean i go to work i get out If I'm lucky, depending on how far I am away from the track, I might roll into the racetrack 10 minutes before practice. So I uh, got my own truck. So I got to trying to work to make sure I got money going into the bank. And uh, I roll into the track, usually Norm, excuse me, Norm uh, and Billy and Maria have the car all out. And there's been a few times I've uh, showed up and I've been running, in, running into the track, friggin' run into the trailer, throw my race suit on. I still got my old shoes on because I don't have time to put my sh- regular racing shoes on, go out and practice. I get out of the car and uh, we usually go through tech. because We always seem to have an issue from obviously not house to the track, at least for the first couple of years. The ride heights, or some never seems to be correct. So we always go through. Two. And at Thunder Road, I always have to make sure I go over and get a Widowmaker. I might not eat the whole thing, and it's so good. I have to have one at least some point through the night. Usually my grandfather will get there just before post time and he'll start spotting. And that's pretty much how the night goes. We argue a little bit. Not really argue, but we get a little wound up. Like if a tire issue comes up, because we've had it seem to have a, have a lot of those at Thunder Road. Uh, we uh, get a little wound up, get calmed back down, and then pretty much just get right back to business. Not really any special routine, or I, I don't really have any. Uh, good luck charm because everyone says green's bad luck in a race car and my carwin and no one's one of them but i won my championship with a green car so i don't really don't really take into that one
0: well i'm at least glad to know that i'm not the only one that uh that has to have a widowmaker every time i'm at thunder road
2: no definitely not the only one
0: (laughs) well um let's uh let's go back to the milk bowl last year on a more serious note um you know you guys it was really the story of your entire act season you guys had just incredible speed started outside pole um and in that first segment it really looked like you were going to be up there with Coralis and therian with for a chance to win that race and then obviously uh obviously the contact and you go spinning and uh that kind of sent your whole day upside down obviously having to go to the back and Really took you out of the running to to win it. Um, obviously, that's a frustrating frustrating moment. I know you were frustrated in the moment. Um, but what are you able to take from moments like that as a driver, where it's so frustrating, um, knowing that you're so close and you've if you could have just gotten through the race, you would have been there uh, with a chance to win at the end, and able to you know kind of take those moments and and learn from them in case something uh, a similar scenario comes up again, where you've, you know, got a chance to go out and win a milk bowl.
2: Yeah. That weekend was, uh, that, that weekend was kind of a hard one to take the whole weekend. We went testing for the first time we've ever went testing at Thunder Road before the milk bowl. Cause we, we had, we had struggled there. A lot the milk bowl before a little bit and the couple tour races. Uh, with Norm's car, so we just wanted to go out and just give ourselves the best chance we could get to maybe have a chance of winning, and we went testing. The car was good. We showed up. I don't think we had a practice Friday. We practiced Saturday. We showed up, and it was we weren't in the top. I don't think we were in the top five, but it was just consistently driving really well, and it. we had pretty decent speed, which isn't really something we have with Norm's car. Usually, usually we're a long-run car. And we time trialed and we were so ecstatic for the time trial run we ended up second by i think it was two either two hundreds or two thousands which was kind of uh chopping us off at the knees but i mean it was still really cool to time trial as high up as we did because my dad's never time trial better than fifth so i got something that's in half so that's kind of cool and then we got into the segment and we were a little tight, I don't know why, but we were just a little too tight in segment, which was a little bit cooler on Sunday than Saturday. And uh, I don't know, it, it came out of turn two and we ended up going around and not gonna lie, I was, I was pissed, it was not a, good, not a good time. But Ben Rowe came over he saw his past, and of course, my mom and dad have known Benro for years, and he's always talked to me, and of course, when I was younger, he's always talked to me, because I'd be that little, little kid in the pits going over and trying to get every guy's autograph. He came over, and he said, go out there and just beat him. Just drive around him, and for some reason, that really stuck, so we went out in the second segment, and we ended up falling back, and we ended up missing that wreck. I don't know how, but we we got through that wreck because it happened right in front of us. And then all of a sudden, we're rolling back up through the field, and we get to second. And uh, Norm made sure to tell me, "Don't," because I think Bobby's Lee Say, "Don't wreck him. You wreck him, you're going to the back." So I I didn't hit him, but I was I was making sure my nose. If it wasn't touching him, it was it was pretty pretty close. And then he ended up getting disqualified. So we won the segment. And then we went into the third segment and had a tire issue halfway through pit after Ryan Kuhn's unfortunate incident. He came back through the field, finished eighth. So it was just a, and then I think we finished fourth overall by the time the disqualification intact. And it was just a real up boost for not only me, but Norm. Because we had struggled there for the last couple of races to where it's like, okay, so we can actually not only did we have speed all weekend, but we can not, we can have a bad first segment or a second segment, whatever, and come back and prove that we had a good car. So it was a real, let's say, test to our not really resilience, but uh, fighting spirit to try and fight through everything that's happened because we're a little. I mean, I live in Graniteville, and I've got a couple of friends that come over to Norm's shop and helps me. And really, Norm does a lot of the work. I mean, when I'm not there, like he'll we race Saturday, he'll spend Sunday just working on the car, anything he can. So uh, the little the little Outwoods Northfield team isn't really supposed to compete with the Pete Dudos and the the Richard Green and the Jason Corliss of the Burnett. Burnett uh, scrap metals team which they are just proven fast teams or Travis Demers all them guys teams year after year after year and we're not really supposed to compete with them so it's a real uh really good feeling when we can go out there and prove not just once but continuously run with them
0: so obviously I mean you're still still early in your career but you've gotten a lot of seat time at a lot of different tracks i always see um you know even at races that i'm not uh even the races i'm not attending uh for for the show i'm you know watching on race monitor and your name's up there quite a bit so (laughs) my question for you is uh Is what, uh, I guess, other than Thunder Road, which would be your home track, what is, uh, do you have a a favorite track that's maybe on the ACT schedule or a a track in New England that uh, you just like running more than the others?
2: Yeah, uh, honestly, probably White Mountain would be my favorite. I mean, that's just a track. Norm brought me there my first year. Uh, Before he brought me there, I only ran there once in a target car one time, and I loved the place. It's just such a track. I mean, you can, you got to have a little finesse to it as well, but you can really manhandle the car there. Just, you got the front stretch and then you got that flat top on the back stretch. If you get too wide, it's really bumpy. And that, that, that track's really been my overall favorite to race, but the old Thunder Road before the wall was, uh, Always fun with the target car. I mean, I really liked... I still love Thunder Road now. It races different, which I'm still trying to get used to because I ran the two years of my target car where you could really let her flow off turn two, get right out. I've gotten off the backstretch a couple of times. But other than Thunder Road, White Mountain's definitely going to be my favorite track to race.
0: So I, I'll add you on the same question that... We got Marcel Gravel uh, out on in in our last episode, um, and obviously you know being a, a guy Thunder Road, um, you know this is your it's your home track. There's obviously the uh, the two big ones. There's the crown jewel races, but the two big ones are King of the Road and winning the Milk Bowl. If you had to choose one of those uh, to win in your career, but you can't win both. You can only you can pick one to win, uh, what would it be? Would you w- rather win the milk bowl or, or be king of the road?
2: Milk bowl. With, without a doubt. Definitely the milk bowl.
0: Not even a thought there. Wow.
2: No, I, I mean, there's, I've just never, I've won. I mean, it was only a target cat, but I won my championship and it It was cool. I mean, I, I mean, you got the next year, you went out on the front stretch and you got the, booze in the in the yays. and uh no I'd just rather that day I was on the front stretch with my dad when he won it and seeing him up there and mac on mac on the cow I should say blip lock the cow Uh ever since that day that's just something I've always wanted to do that is just a special race to me and I think most of it comes from being on the front stretch that day obviously it's it's a big race, but that day on the front stretch is probably the thing that said, you know what, this would be cool to do this one day. And it's just always stuck with me.
0: All right. Well, Steven, we thank you for, uh, for taking the time here with us and, uh, glad you, uh, glad you're able to, to have a good season so far. And it's, uh, from the looks of things, you guys are, are only going up right now in the ACT and, uh, uh whatever you choose to run this year at, at Thunder road. Um, We're uh, excited to see you get out there on the track and and maybe capture a few checkered flags. Yeah, thank you, man. I
2: appreciate what you and Dustin do. It's uh, glad to see guys like you trying to promote the sport of racing, especially as much as uh, it's it's kind of uh, faded in the last few years. So thank you guys for what you do. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, so good, as always, talk with Steve and Donahue. And uh, we'll remind you that that interview brought to you by Fast One Motorsports in Middlesex. They've got whatever you might need for race parts and accessories. Give them a call at 802-223-5888 or stop by and see Pete today to help you bring home, uh, to get the parts you need to bring home uh, the checkered flag tomorrow. So give them a call. 802-223-588. Thank you again to Fast One Motorsports and Pete Dudo for helping us out this year. They were uh, instrumental in getting us down to Hickory for that trip. And uh, so we thank them uh, for their support all season long. So, Dustin, uh, that's uh, that's about all we got for you this week. Uh, when, you, when are you leaving for COTA?
1: I leave for Dakota on Thursday morning I uh, believe the flight is nine o'clock so I'm getting to the airport at 7 30 eight o'clock so it'll be fun uh, to go down there and experience some Texas you know I got to get a big I gotta get an oversized cowboy hat that's what I got to do I gotta get a photo with me and just like a giant cowboy hat just because that's that's what you do when you go to Texas right Nick
0: will, will you be able to get the cowboy hat back through Tsa
1: no, no, not a chance. If I get it, it'll stay in Austin forever. I I, I I would like the visual of me trying to get a giant cowboy hat and a bunch of racing gear through the TSA in Austin. That's uh that'll be an interesting one.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, we hope you have fun and have a, a safe flight down there and enjoy enjoy the race. I'll certainly be watching um, from my couch at home. Um, and uh, but yeah, we should. Uh, not really a whole lot going on this week I, i'm going down to airborne this weekend to um to help out uh on cam gadju's car for uh the raised dies and tubing car down at airborne you're crewing this weekend yeah so that's something i've been doing the last couple of weeks As i've been you know i was like you know what i'm kind of sick of this i am I don't have any sort of mechanical background at all, and I've been kind of slowly learning about how race cars work, um, and the parts that go into making race cars work. And uh, so, yeah, I've been helping uh, helping Cam out the last couple of weeks on his car, and and uh, getting that prepped for the track. And you know, finally, I have a, a weekend this weekend where uh, there's not really a whole lot going on, and so I'll be heading down to Airborne on on uh, Saturday night and. And uh, helping out in the twenty-three team, and hopefully Cam can uh, can bring that thing to victory lane, and I can get, uh, and we can get a win as a as a crew member for the inside groove here. But
1: we're gonna yeah, do we're the uh, we're gonna do the Spire Motorsports thing where we uh, have sponsors because we have a show, and then we're gonna have a car, and then we're gonna own a racetrack ten years from now, Nick. We're gonna we're gonna have a show. We're gonna own a car. We're gonna have our own racetrack. They don't. They don't work with each other ever. But we're, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take over the world one one day at a time. That's you're learning how to cruise. It's just it's, that's just the gateway drug. If you get you know you're you're a young kid, you like driving cars. I could see you in a car one day, man. Come on, do it, do
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I I tell people all the time that I will never drive a race car because um, you know I get to go to the racetrack. All the time, and I don't have to worry about any pressure of doing well, not tearing up the car. It's completely inexpensive, other than the cost of gas uh, to get to the racetrack and the cost of the uh, uh, of the um, trackside food, whatever I might get at the snack bar. Um, those are my only expenses for this show. Whatever you know, equipment we might get. Uh, so, didn't you
1: hit a deer last so year though on your way to the track like didn't you tear it up on your way to the track last year
0: yeah i did but here's <laughs> here's the here's the thing about here here's the thing about that though i tear up my subaru wrx on the way to to oxford plain speedway last october I get insurance. My deductible is like 200 bucks. The deer did like five grand in damage. I paid 200 bucks for it. You know what happens if I do five, five grand in damage to a race car, Dustin? Nothing. Insurance doesn't exist for those. So I'll, I'll stick to my street car and the inside groove, uh, and and maybe crewing on a a few cars here and there, but trust me, you do not want me on your crew. I do not know what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, figuring out. I'm working. I'm working with the jack right now. I've I've gotten to the point where I can get the jack up and down without messing. All right. So we're we're making progress, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm on. I'm better off on the uh, media side of things for sure. So that's all we got for you this week, Dustin. I hope you have a great trip to Koda once again. Uh, thank you to Stephen Donahue for joining us uh, as always, or once again as well. Um, and as always, thank you to our sponsors, Fast One Motorsports, Raised Dies and Tubing. And we will see you, everyone back next week. You know what we're gonna be doing next week, Dustin? We're gonna be previewing the Memorial Day Classic.
1: Oh hell yeah! Sounds great. Sounds we'll see, you, we'll next see you, you next week.
0: Yeah so uh we will be doing that we will have a guest on for you from thunder road no announcements yet on who that is i have a couple people in mind and i hope they uh i hope they're up for it and uh we'll go from there but we'll see everybody next week thanks for tuning in and uh bye for now